Hello, hola, que tal? Thank you so much for joining me for a brand new episode of the Wedding in Spain podcast. I'm your host, Paul, speaking to you right from the very heart of Madrid. Well, first of all, I must say to any long-term loyal listeners to the podcast, um, we're back. Yes. Um, after, I think, six months hiatus. So um, please accept my apologies for such a long, gaping hole in the, the podcast series. But I'm super excited to be back with a brand new episode. And not just one brand new episode. I will be back bringing you regular episodes as we move forward into, well, I guess this is kind of punctuated uh, the podcast because we've been up to now running for almost four years. And well, so why don't we look at this as the beginning of the next four years of Wedding Spain? Because I'm not going anywhere. I love bringing you guys, fellow Spain fans, little slices of Spain, Spanish culture, lifestyle, insights, food, drink, history, language, travel. And this episode includes a fantastic guest, I must say. So I'm really excited to be back. And I've really missed doing this. I've really missed putting the podcast together. I must say that over the last four years, the podcast has really sort of become part of my uh, of my life in Spain. Where have I been? Why has there been such a long gap? Well, <laughs> last episode, I think, was back in September last year. I can't believe how quickly time's flown. And we're all now April 2022. But what happened was nothing bad. And thank you to those listeners who did get in touch asking, are you OK, Paul? You know, what's going on? <laughs> really appreciate everyone who got in touch to see if everything was it was OK. Yeah, it's fine. Um, what happened was basically last October, I started a new job. I went from working kind of effectively part time freelance um, to full time. I got offered a really good job opportunity last October that I just really couldn't say no to. And I kind of knew that it was going to impact on my free time a bit because it was back to, you know, 40 hours a week full time. Whereas before I had my mornings free, I had an extra day per week free. So I always had plenty of time to work on the podcast. This has not been the case since I started this job, which, by the way, I've really been enjoying. The job is working in marketing and PR, specifically as a copywriter for a large uh, electronics and technology company, uh, an international company, um, and I'm working for them here in their Madrid office. It's been great fun, lots to learn, lots to get to grips with, and um, I just felt that I just needed a bit of time off from the podcast just to focus all my energy into getting into the rhythm of a new job. And uh, so that's what happened. Although I have to admit, I did not plan on having such a long uh, gap as this. I said to myself, I think, oh, I'll get an episode out at Christmas or definitely in January in the new year, we'll be back with new episodes. Um, and here we are, <laughs> almost the middle of April now. And it's taken me this long to get get you guys uh, a new episode. So I'm really sorry about that. But anyway, here we are. I'm back. <laughs> I've almost sort of 
forgotten how you do it. So I've forgotten what you do, you know. Uh, you know, when you haven't done like a particular task or job for months and you go back to it. It's a bit like when you go on holiday from work and you go back to your job and you're like, oh, how do I do this again? I'm really excited to be back and I just want to make it absolutely clear that the Wedding Spain podcast is not going anywhere. As long as I'm around, the podcast will be around. But I think, you know, moving forward, just have to be a little bit realistic about expectations and how often I can get episodes out and just the fact that, you know, sometimes life gets in the way and when it does, uh, the podcast may have to take a back seat, maybe for a couple of weeks, but not not for six months anyway. So what have we got coming up in this episode? As you've probably seen from the title, we're talking about bars in Madrid. 10 Madrid bars that you really definitely should visit. These are 10 bars for your checklist when you come to Madrid. They've been chosen by my guest Chris Lynch. Chris is from the UK. He runs a social media group called the Spanish Wine Collective, also has a website as well. Uh, This is a space dedicated to fans of Spanish wine. Chris got in touch with me a couple of years ago because he was actually a listener to the podcast and uh, when he was passing through Madrid we actually met up. Uh, We got on really well and Chris was uh, telling me about his kind of story and his connection with Spain and well it turns out he's really into his wine so when it comes to Spanish wine he really knows his stuff. He used to import wine to the UK. I'm not sure actually if he still does Um, and he used to have his own Spanish bar uh, back in the UK. He's been visiting Spain since the early 2000s. He comes to Spain multiple times a year. He often passes through Madrid and we have a meet-up and a catch-up. I've realised since getting to know Chris that he really knows the best places to go in Madrid. Because sometimes when you live here full-time, you kind of forget what's right on your doorstep, right? And sometimes you need someone who comes from the outside to tell you that these are the places that are worth visiting when you're here on a trip to Madrid, if that kind of makes sense. So Chris is going to describe the bars to us, the people who run the bars, some of them are family run still. He's going to describe the interior when you walk in, what you're going to see, the tiles, the copper counter, the wooden interior, the colours. More importantly, what you can enjoy in the bar. His recommendations on what to order, whether it's wine or beer, tapas, the raciones, what food you should be ordering, what the classic dishes are in these particular different bars as well. So hopefully give you a really good flavour of these 10 Madrid bars. I want you guys to sit back, close your eyes, soak up the background ambience of the bar where I met up with Chris a couple of weeks ago now. Picture yourself there, sipping the wines, sipping the beer, picking at the tapas, enjoying those raciones that we talk about and transport yourself with the help of Chris guiding us to these authentic Madrid bars. Chris, absolute pleasure to have you on the Wedding Spain podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, brilliant. I've been a, a listener of the podcast, so it's it's great to be on and we've met a couple of times and, and had some drinks and things. So yeah, it's nice to come on and, and do the podcast. So we're going to run through 10 classic Madrid bars, 10 of your favourite bars in Madrid. We are sitting in one of them actually at the moment, in fact. Uh, just, just sort of paint a bit of a picture for us, Chris. Whereabouts are we now? Yeah, we're in um, Barrio... Las Letras in Huertas in Casa González. It's like a deli, come wine shop, 
become restaurant and the, I mean there's a great table in the front that you have to try and bag but it's difficult <laughs> that's the prime position yeah. in the window the table in the window right yeah it's brilliant because it's, it's in the window and everyone walking past and people look in and if you're there having a good time then everyone's kind of like oh yeah, I wish I was sat there with you but we're actually sat in the back now which is great so a key point is kind of when you look in and it looks busy at the front make sure you go in the back because there's plenty of room plenty of space and what this place is good for is is wines um, they generally have lots of wines by the glass so you can tend to drink around Spain um, whether you want wines from Bierzo or Baldioras or um, Jumilla or Madrid um, rather than that classic Rueda, Rioja, Rivera, which is kind of classic of most most Madrid bars. I, th I think you described them as the three R's, right? <laughs> yeah, the three, R's. Yeah, yeah. three R's that you yeah. always find in Madrid. Yeah, so this place is good for that, and as like most places in Spain, for like two euros fifty, three euros, uh, you can get a glass of wine. So you know, if there's something you don't like, then you know, there's, there's no risk. Um, but what's good about this place is they have nice um, tabla de quesos, like boards of cheese and meats, and it's just great because it's open. It's also open all through the day. Um, yeah, I agree. Because actually, uh, well, it's it's a Saturday uh, lunchtime now, isn't it? Sort of early lunch, I suppose. I got here about eleven o'clock, and I had breakfast here. I had a cafe con leche, the tosta with tom the tomato and olive oil toast. So you can come here at about eleven o'clock and get a breakfast as well. So it kind of caters for everything. What I love about it is, yeah, like you said, the, the cheese boards, the the meat and sausage boards that they, that they they put together for you, and it's just a really cozy, charming little little bar. Tins of uh, Conserves in the front there, tins of fish and seafood. You've got a little counter with the cheeses, which they will uh, prepare for you to take away as well if you want. Yeah, if you're staying in an Airbnb and you're staying for a while and you think we're going to stay in tonight, you can come in here and, and, and sort of use it as a deli. And the staff are really helpful and you'll feel very comfortable. If you don't speak a lot of Spanish, they'll, they'll look after you. So, yeah, it's, it's a really nice place. Fronca de Leon in the literary quarter of Madrid. Is you look in a window and you think, oh, it's full, it's tiny, there's not much space there, and you'll just walk on by. Don't do that, because they have got a room at the back with, what, about 10, 10 tables or so? So you might get lucky and find a space. Before we move on to our next bar on the list, Chris, I wanted to kind of ask you your relationship with Spain, because you've been coming here pretty much every year for, for quite a long time and you're also very into your wine and you like to go around travel around Spain visiting uh, wineries what is it about Madrid that you love and what keeps bringing you back I think I first came here in 2002 I didn't come then until like 2007 I think because I, I read a great book by Tim Parfit and I think you know you know the guy a load of bullets called yeah. uh, he's a British guy that in the late 80s moved to got posted out to Madrid and he got posted out to launch Vogue in, in, in the late 80s but he just describes this um, especially in those times I mean you know long lunches and turning up to the office at 8 and Nobody turns in till 10, and then they go out for a pinch of tortilla and a coffee. <laughs> yeah, for me, he kind of painted a really yeah, yeah. hedonistic yeah, yeah, yeah. image of Spain in the late 1980s, where it was all about going out, drinking, partying, and turning up to the office late every day. And I have to admit, it really sort of inspired me to come, yeah, <laughs> come and live in Madrid, although I don't know if it's quite the same these days. Yeah, a load of bulls in Parfit, do give it a read. It's a, it's a fun, fun, fun read. Yeah. Um, so I started to come more then because I was like, okay, I've, I've missed something. And that kind of inspired me also to 
think about why is there no place in the UK that kind of feels like this you know why is there no somewhere that just kind of does it's not about aesthetics it's more about product and the product being front and centre so then I um, the job the, the corporate job that I was working which um, I used to every day try and plot a way out of um, like most people who work in corporate <laughs> jobs um, yeah they made me redundant fantastic brilliant um, and it was like now or never so I, I opened a bar in, in the local town that I live in in Macclesfield uh, called Bar Tempranillo basically focusing on the best cheese and meat we could get and also all wines from Spain and sherry and cava and all sorts so, so that was good and then it's kind of on from there I started to do a bit of import of wines and got to know a, a guy in Spain who's become a really good friend and through that uh, I get to go on trips with him and, and go to different wine regions and kind of come a, become a bit geeky about Spanish wine um, but what that means is that every trip I kind of crisscross Madrid and fly into Madrid or fly back out of Madrid. So, for example, this week I've been in, in Jerez and then got the train from Seville up to Madrid uh, to spend a few days here. But yeah, Madrid for me, Madrid is one of those places it's just great to be in. So let's move on to the next bar then, uh, Casa Tony. I know this is one of your all-time favourites, your kind of go-to places. You kind of describe it as the bar you go to to get your sort of feet back on the ground again in Madrid and feel like you're kind of back at home again here in the Spanish capital. Opened in the 1960s, Onca de la Cruz, which is just around the corner from here, not too far, near Sol and Sevilla Metro for listeners. Uh, incidentally, listeners, I will put a list of all of these bars and their addresses uh, links to their websites, etc., in the show notes of this episode. Anyway, Casa Tony, tell us about it, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, friends of mine got to know that I was coming to Madrid and I like Madrid and would always say, oh, we're going to come, where should we go? Which is a really big question in Madrid because there are so many places, really. I mean, with this list of 10 classics, we're really scratching the surface. Yeah, so I literally had uh, in my phone and the, li- the notes and, and would just literally copy and paste it. So Casa Tony would always be the kind of first one okay it looks a little bit every day and but what I like about the place is that most people would go in and look at the menu and they would just recognize the food words right we're not expecting people to come with a native level of Spanish but you will go in there and go okay look at the menu and you go oh patatas bravas pocarones and it is just a really cute old place and there's a you can see everything being cooked on the planche. Everything is, all the ingredients are kind of out on the counter. So you can kind of look along and go, oh, I fancy a bit of this or I fancy a bit of that. Uh, and they kind of cook it, cook it there in front of you. Super cozy, super friendly. And I, like you said, I love the fact that actually even before you walk in the place, in the window of the, the bar, you can see the, 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 the plancha, as you call it in Spanish. The, the, it's like a sort of griddle or a grill where they're literally frying the pig's ears and the octopus or whatever it might be. So you can, even before you walk in the door, you get a little preview of, of what they're doing. There's always someone in that window there, busy with the plancher, because the kitchen is behind the bar, right? So, yeah, it's, it's a really authentic, cosy, good choice, I would say. And a really central, easy-to-get-to location as well on uh, Calle de la Cruz. Next stop on uh, your list of uh, ten classic bars in Madrid is Casa del Abuelo. Abuelo meaning grandfather, the, the grandfather's house or place. Opened in 1906, apparently. Give us your impressions of uh, Casa del Abuelo, Chris. Yeah, so um, Casa del Abuelo is, you'll probably see five or six places around Madrid. They've grown and grown and 
Um, actually, to be to be fair, just to, to just to say one point, I think they there's an old place called Casa Siriaco uh, on Calle Mayor, which was going to close. Um, but actually, Danny, the the, the owner of, of Casa del Abuelo, actually stepped in and with the owner of Casa Alberto, I think, stepped in and saved it because it was it was going to become a Five Guys or something. Like oh that. no, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Don't really need any more Five Guys in Madrid. No. No, and, and, and in Madrid there's also, um, there's like an association of, of bars that are above 100 years old. Yeah. And, and they're sort of key, you know, key part of that to make sure that they maintain these bars with lots of history and, and all that kind of thing. But Casa de la Bueno, the one I like is on Calle Victoria. Yeah. Calle, Calle Victoria. Um, that's the original one with no seats or anything. It's just standing room only. Mm. Uh, and again, like Casa Tony, there's, the, there's the, uh, a guy... I think there was a guy, there was a guy called um, Paco, I think, who was really old, and he used to just—he was the guy on the on the stove doing all the, doing all the cooking. And it was just—it's just one of those places where all the guys clearly like working for them, and it's you know everyone stay, everyone works for them for ages. Um, but for me, it's like all old tiles, and um, it's one of those places in Madrid, one of the few places now where you throw stuff on the floor, and so there's napkins and prawn heads and and all sorts on the floor. And there's loads of old images of uh, how it was in the past and, and the people that worked there and they're all stood outside in their like white tunics and it's all very romantic, very romantic. And they're all fa- they're famous for prawns, so. Yeah, the uh, gambas al ajillo, right? The garlic yeah. prawns. Yeah, for me, that's, that's my favorite. Gambas al ajillo. And the gambas al ajillo would be brought over your tab- to your table in one of those sort of brown terracotta dishes absolutely like sizzling away in in the oil you have to be quite careful with that yeah i mean my girlfriend antonia is always keen so kind of dips in too early because what you do is you tear the bread up and you put the bread you just kind of place the bread in the oil and i let it cool but she kind of goes she goes too early and, uh, and, and gets burnt in the end but but hey it's one of those great places and also they do um they do a sweet wine so they have their own winery in, in toro Oh, okay. um, yeah, I think the, the story was that you know, they were buying so much wine for the bars, so they said, okay, let's go and, let's go and get a, a winery. And they, they do a sweet wine. Uh, and and it, it's served in a, I think it's called a chato. So yeah. Un chato. Un chato. Un chato is, yeah. if anyone who has been to Spain before will know, you don't see them outside of Spain very often, I think. It's that short, stumpy glass. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a sweet, like a port almost, um, and it's very nice. It kind of goes nicely with the with the, the sort of oiliness of the of the, of the gamas. There's no table, so it's you sort of stand on these plinths or so. It's plinth. Is plinth a word? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, plinth's a word. <laughs> yeah. So, so you stand on these things in the middle. If you go in there, bar two in Madrid, and you will just go, yeah, okay, I'm I'm, I'm getting this. I'm understanding this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm in Madrid. You're starting to get. Yeah. You're starting to get to Madrid. Starting to get Madrid and understand why 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 we love it so much. Yeah, absolutely. The dish that they're kind of famed for is the the prawns cooked in garlic olive oil. Yeah, uh, the gambas al ajillo. Apparently, they used to sell sandwiches originally, and then during the civil war, there was a massive scarcity of wheat and hence bread. So they looked around and thought, what's the cheapest thing we can get our hands on and and sell in the bar? Which at that time happened to be shrimp or prawns 
And that's not anymore, right? Yeah, <laughs> Chris has just said to me, not anymore, yeah, right. Every year I come, it's, uh, the, the price seems to go up and up. I walked past one of their bars the other day, because there was sort of like a triangle of them, like you said, there are three, the, the original one, and there are a couple of others nearby that sprung up. And I think they were charging for a ración of gambas al ajillo 20 euros. You know, it would be a generous portion enough for probably three, possibly four people to share. Maybe some people would consider that a bit pricey, I don't know. I'm really excited to move on to the next place, which again is just around the corner from, from Casa de la Buelo, really. Short walk, five, ten minutes. La Benencia, opened in 1922. I absolutely love this place for the product and for just the kind of atmosphere when you walk in the door. Even at the doors, there's like, there's like curtains. It's all in silence. There's no music. I met some people yesterday, the parents of a friend, and they met in La Benentia in 1968 or something. And they were saying, yeah, it's, it, today it is the same as in 1968. It's not changed one bit. And that's the, the sense you get. It's a dusty old place. Absolutely. And if you like Sherry, it's a great place to go. Um, especially centrally. There's not a lot of places centrally that focus on Sherry. There's some places out and about, and if people are really interested, there's a place in Chambri called Palo Cotano. It really is like walking, going back in time when you walk in there. I think the first time I ever went there was on a baking hot late June or maybe mid-July afternoon. And I just remember this sort of feeling of coming off the hot street. It's on, on Calle de Echegaray, which is a, a nice street full of lots of bars and restaurants. And from the sort of stark, bright sunlight and the heat of the street, you sort of walk into this dark dusty bar and it takes a while for your eyes to adjust to the darkness after the stark sunlight outside and this smell of sherry and old wood and dust and you walk in it and it's just like you're just enveloped in this kind of cool dusty air and you've got this beautiful wooden bar along the left hand side and at the end of the bar you've got this ancient cash register and you've got these barrels at the end of the bar, barrels of sherry because for me the way to enjoy this bar is to stand at the bar ordering your little schooners of, of sherry and they chalk them up on the bar so they would keep a, a tab of how many sherries you've had literally by just scratching a piece of chalk on the top of the bar and then at the end they'll write the, the, the total that you owe with chalk on the wooden bar which I absolutely loved <laughs> yeah it's just stepping back in history and it's you almost when you walk in there you're completely you're, you're transported straight to Jerez you're, you're straight into Andalusia and it, I like the way that everything happens really smoothly but in silence and it's very simple tapas it's you get a bit of mojama which is like dried tuna or some olives or a bit of cheese and it's it, extremely simple basically the person serving you can do everything in the bar, you know, they don't have to go anywhere or go in a kitchen or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And it's got creaky old furniture. <laughs> creaky, if you're a little bit overweight, like me, uh, it's a, you, you're a little bit self-conscious of the creaky. Um, but it's one of those places that if you're, if you're not gonna bar hop and you, you've booked a restaurant for, for lunch, it's great to go in there pre-lunch and you can get a little half bottle of Manzanilla or Fino or, or whatever, whichever sherry you like. Yeah. But, you can get a little half bottle and just have a little aperitif and stuff like that. And it's just a nice place. But yeah, like you say, I, I, I met a friend there last year in July and it was baking hot outside, 40 degrees. Mm. 
but you just walk in there and it's like, oh wow, it's it's cool. It's it's, yeah. it's actually it's, it's a bit like walking into a church of <laughs> yeah, sherry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there used to be um, I don't know if there is now um, because you know time moves on. But there used to be cats. There was a cat in there. Oh, I didn't know. So that. used to have cats. There was a cat out the back, <laughs> and um, this sort of cat would wander around and things like that. I think that's true. I hope I'm not just making that up, but I'm sure there was. But also, what's interesting about that place is I think there's some link to the Civil War because you can't take photographs they're, they're, they're dead against that you can't take photographs I'm glad you mentioned that because you know that's the thing you notice they will tell you even today please don't take any photographs they'll stop you from taking photos in there because it's a very loath to use the word Instagrammable but it is it is a very sort of photogenic place I suppose with the barrels and they've got you know it must have hundreds of old dusty bottles up on the wall behind the bar literally hundreds and hundreds apparently it's where the Republican soldiers uh, used to meet and exchange stories about the Civil War and they used to kind of share snippets of information, strategic information about like, advancements of troops uh, from Franco's side and that kind of thing. And it was also a place where journalists used to hang out to get the kind of inside track on the latest developments, notably Hemingway. It's one of Hemingway's famous haunts in Madrid, uh, where he used to go and fraternise with, with, with the troops. They've still got a, a sign hanging up on the wall saying, no, in fact, they've got several signs dotted around the bar saying no photos, no photos. And apparently that goes all the way back to, to that time in the Civil War when they were just wary of fascist spies. Yeah. And the other thing is you, you can't tip in there. Yeah, they don't like you. You can't tip. You can't tip. And I, don't, I don't know why. But even like 50 cents, they sort of wave it back at you like you've offended them. And I, I, I don't know why that is, if, that, if that's something to do with... Yeah, uh, I, I believe it is from what yeah. I was reading, but uh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. But important to mention that sherry, uh, five, I think five different types that they have there in, in the big barrels. So Fino, Manzanilla, Oloroso, Amontillado, Palo Cotado. They have all those, probably Pedro Jimenez as well. Yeah. I'm always one for places that have a very succinct product list and my <laughs> word they do um, what I would say is that you know for listeners who maybe not very familiar with sherry or the world of sherry I would say that you know it's possibly an acquired taste I've taken friends and visitors there before and they're like oh I'm not quite sure about sherry my advice would be even if you don't know what you're not very sure about whether you like it or not or you've never tried sherry before still go there Still go there, order one glass, it's only a small glass, it's only going to cost you a couple of euros, but just to kind of soak up that kind of atmosphere and just go and, have a, just go and look at this place. Also, just on a practical note, it's actually, it's open late on a Sunday, so it's open till like midnight on a Sunday. Um, and also, just to mention that La Benenthia is the, uh, the sort of stick um, that you would dip into the barrel and... and, 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 and ah, yes. Yeah. And you would... I think it's... Benenthiar is the verb, Benenthiar. Yeah, a bit like Escanthiar. Escanthiar, which is to pull the cider from a height. So the Benenthiar is that long, it's like a kind of tube on a long metal stick which they dip into the barrel to scoop out. Yeah, it's like if. To taste the sherry. It's like a measure. In the UK, most places have a a measure. Yeah. And it's like almost like a measure stuck on the end of a stick. Yeah. It's weird. But also, in the the difference I noticed, uh, like this week, I've been in Jerez and, and, and those places. Um, in Jerez, it's a it's a sort of metal thing. Uh, in in El Puerto de Santa Maria, uh, or San Lucar, it's actually it's a caña. They call it a caña. They call it caña, yeah. which actually I know we're, we're familiar with that term mm. to talk about a small beer, mm. but it does actually mean cane. Mm. Yeah, so it's like a long stick. I believe in San Lucar, there's a big 
national park. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether it is, it is actually a national park, but it's, there's a big area that's a national park, and they actually take it from the whatever plant, whatever plant it may be. So we're talking about the Sherry Triangle there, which I'm just going to drop in and do a shameless promotion of a past podcast I did. If you're really intrigued and interested by the world of Sherry, and it is a fascinating world and with an amazing history behind it and an amazingly complex product as well, um, go and check back to an episode I did with Annie B, where we talk all about Sherry. She's a real Sherry expert. Yeah, love Anencia. If you're in Madrid go there and I'm really glad that you mentioned uh, Mohama which is the air, air cured tuna which sounds really weird but it's absolutely delicious I love it so it's a bit like jamon right it's like the air cured jamon but, it, but it's tuna and that drizzled with a little bit of olive oil uh, a few uh, almonds as well perfect accompaniment to, to a glass of uh, fino I would say definitely it's one of those great if you want an aperitif before lunch then yeah, it's, it's just a great place to go. It's a great place to go. All right, cracking on. Back to Madrid. We're, we're leaving the world of Sherry behind us. Let's go to Dolores. Dolores, which is on Plaza Jesus. Again, really central. It's the heart, I would say, almost of the uh, literary quarter in Madrid. The Las Letras, as it's known, or Huertas, which, as it's also known. I think a lot of the listeners to this podcast will probably have seen a photo of the facade, the outside of Dolores. It's really kind of emblematic, very typical, because it's got this beautiful tiled facade, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 it sits on a corner, and it's got all the tiles, and it's like licores, other things. <laughs> I can't quite yeah, it's got these really that. white tiles with this ornate decoration, these borders, and then it's, it's like, they're like old advertisements, I suppose. And it's like, yeah, licores y vinos, and cervezas, and I don't, I don't know what else. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what it says now. You know, I must have walked past it hundreds of times. Beautiful facade. I mean, it looks like a beautiful bar from the outside. And, it, and inside as well, it is. You know. Yeah, and it's one of those places where you walk up a couple of steps and you, you're sort of straight at the bar, you know. You have to know what you're going to order. So what I do with friends is I kind of, pre-going in there, I'm like, right, okay, what, what are people having? Because there's no time to stand at the bar and um and ah about what you want. You yeah. kind of have to know. No dilly-dallying. Yeah, Get no, in there, yeah. shout your order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those places that, um, also I'll let you into a mini-secret, that um, when people come on, on Lynch tours, which it's kind of, it's kind of colloquially been known. Um, These are your own sort of informal personal tours that you, yeah, you yeah, give yeah. to friends. Yeah, not, not, yeah, it's not with myself. I'm not, you know, albeit, albeit, albeit that would be nice. Um, when we bring friends and things, people are generally a bit... Madrid is a late place to wake up, right? There's no point. Madrid is not one of those places where you need to be out on the street at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. Sleep in, enjoy, you know, do yeah. whatever. Um, but what I like to do is, because I'm generally up before everyone, uh, and they're kind of all... For me, Madrid is like... It's two appointments, right? Lunch and, and dinner. So one one for aperitifs and then lunch and then 7pm for tapas and then dinner. But La Dolores is great because it opens at like kind of noon. So for me, it's one of those places where a lot of places kind of open at two, uh, maybe one. But if you're, if you're British, for example, <laughs> and you've had breakfast already, which will be a simple breakfast in Madrid, uh, of tostada con tomate and whatever. Uh, it's one of those places where if it gets to noon and you're thinking, well, I need a beer now, you know, which is fine in Spain, everyone drinks early, but it's one of those places that's open. So you walk in there, small gap to the bar, the guy will shout at you, 
Uh, not 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 maliciously, but he'll shout at you, um, and you just have to be straight in there, you know, straight in. And then they do nice pinchos. Uh, there's a good one with um, tuna and red pepper, which is nice. Yeah. They do other things, um, canapes as they call them. Um, there's a good one with uh, with, with salmon, salmon, um, all sorts of things. But it, but it's just one of those old school places where the guys are sort of dressed in. Peach shirts. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, the shirt, the, the uniform they wear is like peach, which is like just a colour that you just think that went that went that went out ages ago. Why, why, why? I don't know. I suppose they must had a you know a, 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 bought a job lot of cheap fabric, which happened to be peach, and they, we'll we'll run with this. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of the best places for beer. The I, I think I think I mean, I'm not talking about again if you listen from the UK or US or whatever, then you'll be used to kind of craft you know craft beer and IPAs and. All that kind of stuff. This is just kind of classic Mao from Madrid, uh, but the way it's poured and it, it's brilliant. It's like one of the nicest places to just drink a really good canyon. And it's also one of those places where a lot of locals come in and they're like in there for like 10-15 minutes, which is crazy. You know, they might have their shopping with them, so they've been to the market and bought stuff for lunch, and they just kind of pop in, quick drink. 10 minutes and I'm out the door yeah. and it's it's, tran- it's transient like that yeah There's, people don't stay for very long you know I really like this bar because its location is great it's very near to the Paseo de Prado it's near to the museums it's in a very attractive neighborhood where you've got you know loads of boutiques and restaurants and other bars as well which are worth exploring very central and I thought it's, I think it's worth mentioning it's probably a, a, a neighborhood worth considering on a first visit to Madrid to stay in because there are hotels there are Airbnbs there are pensiones there are lots of different places it's a very easy place to base yourself the interior is like got this beautiful wooden bar with the marble white marble bar top and yeah, it's really attractive inside I think every time I've been there, to be honest, I've sat outside. They have a few small tables along the wall, right in front of these tiled, sort of these old school tiled facades. And that's a nice place to sit and watch the world go by. There's a couple of places either side. There's Cerveceria, Cervantes and, and yeah. Los Gatos. So you can actually do like a little crawl, not a crawl, but there's, there's kind of three places next to each other that, that it's quite nice to do. Let's move out of Huertas or Las Letras neighbourhood and move up towards La Latina, I suppose, where we're kind of borderline La Latina. We're very close to Plaza Mayor with Bodegas Ricla. Now, I mean, and again, Chris, I know that you absolutely love this bar. Uh, what is it you like so much about it? It's This is my happy place. There's a couple of happy places, but this is, this is one of my favourites. And it's, it's a tiny place. And this was one of the things about opening my own place in, in the UK, is to kind of try and recreate this feeling. The bar is literally the width of the, the double doors, right? It's, it's, the bar is two metres wide by <laughs> five metres long, four metres long. Um, and that's it. It's, that is it. It's the width of the door. Okay, COVID's changed a couple of the procedures. But pre-COVID, it was everyone just jams in. And because it's so small... The bar is on the left and it's like a little trench and Emilio can just run up and down that trench and serve everybody because everything is in... I mean, you've been in bars, right, where uh, canyas and, and, and tapas are being passed over your head. Because you're like, you know, you're like, you're like six people, yeah. six rows back and yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, oh, that's, that's yeah. my order and he's passing it back to yeah. you. But the beauty of this place was it was so small that Emilio can literally 
just run it from this tiny trench. He doesn't have to come round. It's sort of like within reaching distance yeah, of every customer. Yeah. 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 And Emilio, I mean, you know Emilio. You've been there so many times. And, you know, he knows you now when you go there, right? Yeah, Emilio is, uh, is, 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 is a lovely guy. Speaks good English as well. If, you know, if you have any issues around feeling a bit uncomfortable, go in there, he'll look after you really well. It's run by him and his brother, Jose, Jose Antonio, I think, and, and his mum, Anna. She's out the back. And it was like an old wine shop, on, uh, you know, an old bodega. Um, so they've got the old tinajas there in, in the back. Where, you know, wet What's a tinaja, by the way? Yeah, it's like a big, like a barrel, but it's, it's made out of... It's not made out of wood, yeah, is it? It's yeah. kind of made out of something is ceramic, clay, or clay. Or I think it's like a like clay that, yeah. barrel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they've got these, like, what, three or four yeah, it would be, tinajas. It would, be, it would be wine from... Valdepeñas, it would be like really basic wine, and people would come in and buy. I mean, they don't use them these days, but they're there. I don't think do they? Do they still use them? No, to store no, no, wine, no. no. I was in um, uh, when I was in Jerez this week. There's loads of places like that. Uh, despacho is a, is a word, and loads of guys were coming in with empty plastic bottles, going, "Can you fill these? Can you really? Can you fill?" So they're buying a liter of manzanilla and a liter of this and a liter of that. Um, so it, that, that's what it would have been like in the old days. So what that means is that there's no kitchen, so things are very simple. So uh, as I used, always used to say in the bar uh, in Macclesfield, stuff on bread, right? Stuff on bread, stuff on bread. So they would do ni- <laughs> nice, nice cabrales uh, in, in cider yeah. on bread, or yeah. nice uh, manchego you know, sort of soaked in olive oil, and then on bread it's nice. But then they do like a tapper of the day, so they will do Mama's albondigas are super homemade, really natural, like fantastic. And they do things like uh, judiones, which is like the big butter beans, or berdinas, which is like the small, maybe like haricot beans type thing. Yeah. Um, with quail, which sounds kind of like pos, right? With quail, but, but very, very normal in Spain with quail or partridge um, and you sort of have to you know in that very British way sort of gnaw through some bones and things and, you know. <laughs> yeah. but that's just hey that's part of the deal but his vermouth Emilio's vermouth is very good I was going to ask yeah you. it's very good uh, I think it's one of the best it's, it's vermouth del grifo so it's from the tap and for me it's just it's great so I, I like vermouth and a lot of people don't know about vermouth culture in Madrid um, sometimes it can be a bit sickly and a bit sweet but, but they seem to have it right I, I, why that is I don't know but he generally has nice wines they're quite safe you know Ribera and I mean last night we were in there drinking a wine from Toro it's hospitality done very well very well it's like a family it's like a, you go in there if you go in a couple of times a few times you get looked after like family it's, it's, it's fantastic it's a really charming bar physically as well it's green, green and red paintwork it's super cosy. I know that in times of COVID, they've put out, they've put a few tables outside now. I don't know whether they'll continue with those or not. I, uh, who knows? But yeah, and, it's, and I think, you know, everyone who comes to Madrid is going to know Plaza Mayor. It's literally spitting distance from Plaza Mayor. Now, one of the, one of the streets that leads off uh, Plaza Mayor is it's on that street yeah. as you head down to the La Latina neighborhood. And it's opposite, opposite Botin, um, which yeah. for me is like, wow, I mean, like, there's another bar nearby called, which used to be called Thevarif, which was opposite the Canale San Miguel. So, like Reclar, it's opposite a very famous place, but 
that just kind of gets rammed with tourists and like McCannady San Miguel got rammed with tourists and everybody kind of forgot the nice place opposite that looked that look really real and authentic um, yeah. which I think is a real shame it's a real shame you know don't don't you know turn around and go in recline it could be a blessing in disguise in some ways I don't know um, yeah I mean Botine oldest continuously functioning restaurant in the world don't want to go into too much detail about it I've never been you've never been we've never been um, so I don't want to sort of heavily criticise it in any way, but it does seem like it's heavily on the tourist trail. Every time I walk past there, there's a tour guide standing outside with a group of 20 tourists pointing at it. It's got a, a certificate from the Guinness World Records in the window. You can't really see into the restaurant from the windows. It's got this weird kind of model of the restaurant in the window. I'm sure, you know, the quality of the food they do is probably pretty decent, maybe. It could be pretty overpriced. It's, it's super, super touristy because of its, it's really trading off its fame of being you know, the oldest restaurant in the world. I don't know. Interestingly, I found out, actually, just quickly, uh, that Riekler, the, the family that founded it back in 1867, the name comes from a, a, a village in Aragon. And originally, they sold uh, lots of Aragonese products and food and dishes from Aragon. So Ricla is actually a name of a, of, of, a, of a small town in Aragon. And that's where the family emigrated to Madrid to set up the bar. And that's why it's called Ricla. Yeah. Kind of interesting. In 1867, so it's one of the, a, one of the old ones. such a sense of family in there. You know, it's the two sons and the mother. You know, Anna, you know, if it was my mother, I'd perhaps let her retire and put her feet up. But she's always out the back and Emilio will shout, you know, shout the orders to her and she comes shuffling out. Sometimes, well, most of the time in her slippers because she, <laughs> she lives upstairs. So why put shoes on to come downstairs? Oh, good, well, good for her. I don't yeah, blame yeah. her. It's super cosy, beautiful bar, um, a must visit. Right, let's crack on. We've got, we got, I think we've got five more to go. Casa Revuelta, again, absolute classic. What do you order in Casa Revuelta? Una caña y un bacalao. Una caña y un bacalao. Sí, sí, siempre. Um, it's one of those places where, uh, especially on a Sunday, like after Rastro, just gets manically busy. And to be fair, it took me a while to go in here because, you, like many tourists, you walk past and go, wow, that's not for me. You know, I can't, I, I'm literally going to have to go in there and get my elbows out and fight to the bar. Um, but what I will say is it moves very quick. So people go in there for like 10, 15 minutes and they're out, out the door. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a fantastic place that, again, similar to La Benentia, just does kind of three things, four things really well. Um, the deep fried cod and it's very again very small very you get a sense that it is pretty much like what it was 40 years ago 50 years ago again it's kind of quite old yeah Ma I mean I, I was it opened in 1966 apparently okay. oh it's, I just, it's not that old then it's quite modern well yeah but it's, it's a modern <laughs> classic as, as, as you said yeah. no just quickly it said yeah apparently uh, Santiago Revuelta came down to Madrid from Valladolid in 1966 and I like this, he says, Llegó a Madrid con muchas ganas de comerse la vía y da de comer uh, en ella. He came to Madrid with, with a real like keenness to eat the city and feed the city. Uh, the old guy, he was called, what was the old guy called? Can you remember? But he would painstakingly, painstakingly go through the um, bacalao, you know, preparing it, searching for bones and things like that every morning. But also you notice... Um, 
Uh, I've been going in for years and you notice the same guys in there. To be fair, it has been bought by somebody. I think once, once the guy died, somebody's come in and bought it. And there's a couple of changes that I don't particularly agree with, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, Pro yeah. Progress, right? Yeah. Um, they've opened a place just opposite that's more modern. More specifically designed, I would say, towards tourists, I suppose, because it is in a very central location. But I would say, if you're coming to Madrid, and hopefully it won't change too much. And yeah, it's delicious to get, you know, go in there, order a canya, and you get a little plate in your order. You get, like, a couple of hunks of cod in in batter uh, absolutely delicious yeah if you've been there a couple of times you'll know that the three guys are the same <laughs> there's the three santi is the guy on the left who is a really sweet guy they all wear the same blue pullovers v-neck pullovers and they're always in there and they just stand in their place one guy looks after the the cod and the bread and the torithnos one guy pours and one guy does the till right and again, it's one of those places that's really small, like Recla, where nobody, the staff don't have to move, you know, the staff, everything is, I can service the whole bar from here. Literally arm's length, <laughs> everything is at arm's length, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great place to be, and even though you're kind of two minutes from Plaza Mayor, it, it feels super local. Okay, so moving on again, we're not, we're not straying too far from there. If we head further south, even closer, deeper into La Latina neighborhood, we're going to hit Cavabaja, which is worth mentioning as being one of the kind of typical tapas streets, I suppose you call in Madrid. You know, I mean, yes, it's a bit pretty touristy, but also it's a place where locals go for a night out and probably would literally spend the night just on that street, purely because there are so many places on Cavabaja. It's literally every single, every other doorway is a tapas bar, right? Yeah. And we are going to be looking specifically at, which I suppose I wouldn't necessarily call so much a tapas bar actually, um, is a Casa Lucas, which is on Cavabaja. Casa Lucas, for me, it's just like it's, this. This place is class. Yeah, it's for me. It's like it's like being home. It's it's that comfortable. It's that comfortable. But as you say, Cavabaja can be quite overwhelming. Uh, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, very busy. There's a lot of places. What kind of doesn't work? What does? What kind of doesn't work back home is that tapas is done. You know, you go into a restaurant in in the UK, a tapas place, but you go in and order fifteen dishes, and that's my all tapas. at the same time. Yeah, they're all, all the brought to your time. table, and you sit down and eat it as if it was a a big sit down meal. Not how it works in Spain. So Cavabaca comes into its own because literally every building is a tapas bar. To be fair, they're all pretty good, but there's some places that are better than others. Yeah. You know, and you know, I was super strict with this list to keep it down to ten. But there's places like La Concha, which is brilliant for vermouth. Definitely worth a shout out. Yeah, La Concha, yeah, yeah. great for vermouth. They do a really good with with a gin spray in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super cute, super friendly, cozy bar. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a place opposite. Um, Diathi La Rui, I think, yeah. which is good for wines. They have some nice wines by the glass. Yeah. And then there's uh, next to that, there's La Osita. So, you know, for example, people come with me, and after a few days of sort of Mao and, and, and wines, they're thinking, right, okay, where's my IPA? Where's my, you know, where's my craft beer? And that's a good place. And I think that's run by Brits who brew, they brew in Madrid. Yeah. Um, so, again, that's a great place if you suddenly get a bit sick of. You know, Mao, and you know, you want some. I'm things. glad you mentioned that. Now, if, uh, if you want 
craft beer, IPAs, uh, and they do their own range of beers brewed right here in Madrid. La Osita, the Little Bear, two British guys, lovely guys. In fact, I did an episode with them quite a long time ago. Check back for that episode all about the craft beer scene in Spain. Casa Lucas is just one of those great places. I mean, we walked past, I walked past yesterday, I'm here with my friend, and we walked past yesterday and sort of looked in the window and straight away I was sort of looking if there's space at the bar, which you kind of have to do now with COVID. Everyone kind of has to have their bum on a seat, which kind of takes a bit of the, the shine away from Madrid because it's not about that. But I looked in the window um, and the guys were like, oh, hey, you know, oh, the space here. And they're just really nice guys. And I, I think they've been going since the early 90s, I think. It's one of those, okay, it's not one of those really traditional 100-year places, but but it's... Um, uh, we were talking before and I think we, we kind of agreed... A modern classic. Yeah, a modern classic. It's a modern classic. Like La Concha is a modern classic. It's a place that's been going since the 90s, probably when Carvabaca was becoming more more yeah. famous for... Up and coming. Yeah, for what it is. Um, and you just... Uh, the tapas, okay, they're not way out there, but they do great pinchos. Um, for example, there's a couple... Alea and Carignano, which I like. Carignano is like pork steak with caramelized onions and different things. And Alea is like chicken with sweet corn puree and stuff. So, okay, it's not like mega creative, but but it's it's much better than, uh, much more creative than what you would normally get. It's like more of a like a refined take yeah, yeah, on yeah. Spanish tapas, I suppose. Like yeah. they, they put a lot of a lot of uh, attention to detail and the presentation, that kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, the wines are good. They, the wines by the glass, again, not crazily, you know, crazily out there, but but they do a good wine by the glass selection. They do a good wine by the bottle selection, but and again, it's it's popular with tourists. I think for me, if you just kind of pull up a stool at the bar, especially on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon and just go, right, I'm committing to here for the next few hours. Sit at the bar, and you can easily while away in an afternoon in a very relaxed environment. You know, again, it's quite small, so everybody kind of gets jammed in. You just get a, a really nice, warm buzz about, about the place, and for me, it's one of my favorites, and I've got to kind of know the guys now, and it's a place I will always go. Let's move on, We're, we've got two more to go we're in number eight next on our list i'm gonna put my hands up here and say i've never been to this place never okay. been this is up in kind of chueca neighborhood not far from chueca metro not far from sevilla metro it's a very central location in a kind of pretty hip neighborhood i would say pretty cool yeah, and hip um yeah it's a really it's a really good street calle libertad libertad yeah um there's a place right at the beginning called Thelso uh, y Manolo, which I like. That place I know. Yeah. yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of people that live in Madrid would say, okay, it's a bit, you know, it's maybe. It's reliable. Yeah, it's reliable. But but Thelso y Manolo is not that this is not the place I'm trying to talk about. No, we're not. We're, this is not your recommendation, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Yeah. But but it's one of those places where if after a few days you've got a bit sick of bread and potatoes and carbs and starch go there because it's, you get a lot the food is quite fresh lots of good tomatoes you know if you're like me and you live in the UK and you you can't get your hands on a good tomato you go there and they literally do like a plate of five tomatoes like it's a, it's a tasting dish of tasting menu of tomatoes it's like you know we're going to give you five different types with really good olive oil and really good salt 
and it's fantastic. But anyway, up the street a little bit is a place called Binoteca Bides, mm. um, which again is, you know, splits the room with people in Madrid. Some people like it, some people don't. I really like it. Um, the guy that owns it, Vicente, he's a character. I'll give you that. I, I, I remember you saying Yeah, that. he's a character. <laughs> I think he, he's been on TV a lot and things like that in his previous life, so make of that what you will. But he's opened a bar that is, if you like wine and you want to go and taste different wines from around Spain, it's a fantastic place to go. Um, he is from, a, I think his family were winemakers from La Mancha. Um, so there is a little picture of him oh, really? when he was quite chubby as a little kid um, with his dad and they're in the vineyards and, and in La Mancha but then they've just created he's created this great place where I think there's like I mean every single region of Spain is covered by the glass by the, by the glass, glass yeah by the glass so they, by the glass they will probably have like 20, select, 20 different selections um, and it's just a great place to go to try different things. And again, you know, two fifty, three euros, five, five euros, ten euros if you want to be a bit out there. But generally, for like three or four euros, you can you can taste your way around different parts of Spain. And they do great cheeses as well, good ham, uh, and different, quite simple things like that. Um, also, the staff are really friendly. Again, young guys that speak English. Uh, no, I'm not saying that's what it's all about, but but also, you know, like, I'm, 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 and some quite avant-garde dress. Yeah, I've really heard sort of skin-tight t-shirts, which um, <laughs> wouldn't particularly look very good on me. <laughs> no me. Yeah, no me. Um, yeah. Uh. <laughs> so it sounds to me like they they put this place together. It's kind yeah. of modern, and what they what they've kept in mind is uh, uh, the range of wines, so you can taste Spain by the glass. Mm kind of a modern kind of informal atmosphere and, and, and some good and some good tap well cheese board, I don't know cheese and embutidos with it as well which I think kind of need more of in Madrid actually there are more and more places all the time but to be able to go to a one stop shop as it were and be able to taste wines by the glass without committing to a bottle from literally all over Spain and in an informal relaxed environment it's not too stuffy I mean that's how I picture it when the way you describe it yeah yeah absolutely and they do good um, Vicente is, is is mad on on cava on, on, on Corpinat which is the, the little breakaway group of, of you know wineries that have left the DO and, and set up their own thing so you can get really good cava like stuff that would like oh right okay now I understand cava now I know what cava yeah is. it's not the you know Cordonui and Fréjeunet and all that kind of thing. Actually, I'm, I okay now I'm getting a feel for what it's about. Um, and also, he, he just sort of looks after the wines and they're at the right temperature and things like that, which is really important. Just that attention to detail, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And again, it's one of those uh, from a practical point of view. Um, through years of research, it's one of those places where on a Saturday it's open all the way through. So again, if you're kind of stuck at five o'clock, you've had lunch, you're thinking, oh, what do I do now? And, you know, you don't want to go to the Prado. Okay, let's go and drink some wine. <laughs> that place is open all the time. And also, again, it's open late on a Sunday. Um, so yeah, it's open all the way through on a Sunday, which again is quite useful because 
Madrid on a Sunday night can feel like, oh, wait a minute, it's all shut down. What, what's happened? You know. I agree, and I think if you live here, that's not a problem. But yeah. if you're here and you want to get the most out of your long weekend or your week, and uh, Sunday's another day, you you know you want to enjoy your Sunday night, you want to do something on your Sunday night. So I think that's that's definitely worth mentioning. I normally take my, I normally um, get my bag from the hotel or whatever or where I'm in the in the locker. You know, you store it in a locker thing. Um, and I normally take my bag there and just finish there so I kind of go like okay right I'm going to get a taxi from here so I'm going to sit here for the next hour have a couple of glasses yeah. and then I'll get a taxi to the airport we're heading those, to the airport yeah, yeah, yeah it's one of those places I like yeah. to kind of finish and it's it's full of locals as well and, and some quite interesting characters as well <laughs> quite interesting characters yeah good recommendation that's Binoteca Bides on Calle de la Libertad right last one number 10 Casa Dani which is in, I'm glad you included this on your list actually, Chris, because this one is the only one on the list which is actually inside a kind of municipal market, albeit quite a posh municipal market, I suppose, owing to its, uh, the neighbourhood where it's located. Uh, where are we going? Yeah, we're going to Casa Dani in Salamanca. So you're going to Calle Serrano, which is a very posh kind of shopping street, and it's Mercado de la Paz. The market of peace, I think. Yeah, I think. And it's it's in one of those natives in a very wealthy neighbourhood. So you walk in the market and go, oh, okay, you know, it's not it's not onions and carrots and things like that. This is like immaculate fresh <laughs> produce, which is displayed in the most yeah. immaculate, perfect way. I mean, it's a beautiful market. I've got to say, it's a lovely place to go and hang out if you want to get either escape the heat or the rain. Uh, if you're feeling particularly flush, you could. If you want to spend some money on ham. You could spend some money on ham. The fish, the cheese, everything is beautiful. But there's one place in there, as you say, in, in, in the market, which is, is one of the really interesting things about Madrid is uh, how the markets have uh, changed to try and incorporate some kind of food and drink to, you know, to basically, I suppose, to kind of increase footfall, I suppose. Yeah. And also probably provide a place for the workers to go and have their lunch and stuff. Um, but Casadani is one of those places where I'm a massive lover of tortilla. Um, some people may think tortilla, well, it's just you know, eggs, potatoes, onions, or not onions. That's a, that's a big thing. Yeah, that, that's a big thing in Spain, which I've learned over the years. You're either a, what do they call it? Con cebollista or sin cebollista? It's very controversial. You're either a tortilla with onion or without. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a staunch con cebollista. Me too, me too. And there was a place in, in Madrid, uh, we mentioned it before, Cebariz, which did the best tortilla. It was brilliant. It was, uh, my word, a pincho of that was fantastic. Just opposite the San Miguel yeah, Mercado. Yeah. Yeah. One of those, tortilla is one of those great dishes to have like 11, 12 with a caña or, or a bamboo uh, pre-lunch and once you get to understand it it's one of those dishes where you go like oh, okay you're right I get it I get it I need I need bread with this you know yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. to have you've <laughs> got to have bread with it and Casa Dani for me has replaced unfortunately summer is closed um, but in a good way in a good way that, that they did well out of it um, but Casa Dani has replaced that. It's become my favourite tortilla. And I think it got voted the best tortilla in, in Spain. Or and what I like about it is you, you walk into this, kind of tucked off the street a little bit. I think it's on Calle, officially, Mercado de la Paz is on Calle Ayala, which is, again, just you walk up and down that street and it's filled with posh boutiques and posh restaurants. 
and then suddenly there's a little entrance into this municipal indoor market, but a nice little patio outside where you can sit outside and have a drink as well. You walk in, and it's full of just, like you said, fresh produce stalls. And then, on one side of the market, there's just this kind of slightly a bit of an anachronism, really. It kind of looks like quite a basic bar, and, that, and that's Casa Dani. Yeah, it's just, yeah, like you say, it's, there's, uh, if, you can, if you can kind of try and sit at the bar, there's like a very thin strip yeah. where you kind of have to squeeze past people. But then there is a little area with tables, and people go and sit, at the, sit there and, and just order un pincho. It's like, they don't even say, it's just what they order and it's what they do. Again, I think this is probably, we've probably self-discovered over this podcast. It's the theme of, this is what we do only and that's and that's we're going to do it well but that's all we do yes they do other things but and a pincho will sustain you for the rest of the day because it's fantastic you get a big old slab of tortilla it uh, poco hecho it's, it's it's not very well done it's quite runny um, but the taste is fun but the soul if anyone loves tortilla it's all about if the salt is right and the balance and it's fantastic Get yourself a Kenya, or I get a Doble because you know I'm a yeah. Brit. <laughs> no, I would do the same. Yeah. I would do the same. Yeah, and just and just enjoy it. Just get just stick your face in the tortilla. It's fantastic, fantastic. You know, there, there's other places. Bodegas La Dosa is another good place, but for me, I think Casadani has replaced the big hole in my life, which was Severi. Severi. Yeah, no, I agree. I just would like to say before we round off in a, in a second we'll just have a quick run through kind of top tips for a visit you know bar hopping in Madrid and what you should sort of look out for and what you should do um, but I would just like to say it's worth mentioning that these municipal markets which quite often don't seem anything special when you walk past them they might look like quite a fairly ugly concrete building with an entrance that just says Mercado and you think well I don't need to buy any onions or fish so why am I going to go in there like you said, they've, they've kind of adapted. And I don't just think because of COVID, but I think they've kind of adapted just over the years now because of supermarkets. And they've kind of become these kind of really interesting food courts where you can go in and there are little mini restaurants and bars now, tapas places, and you can get really good quality food. And they were just a really, just it's just a different way of eating and drinking in Madrid, right? You, you go in there, you can hop around inside this market. I think they're fantastic, and I would wholeheartedly recommend anyone coming to Madrid to go and check these places out. I mean, they're all they're scattered all over Madrid. I'm not going to give a list of them now. Maybe I will in the show notes, but don't be afraid to walk into these markets and, and explore them. There's, there's one great place which I had a you know, I had a tough time trying to pick ten places and trying to keep it classic. But there's a great place in um, Anton Martin Market, which is just south of Plaza Santana, De Santana. Yeah. Um, and it's a, you go downstairs and it's a bar called La Lopez, which I've told you about and I think you didn't know about I it. I didn't so know about I'm it. Giving yeah. you, I'm giving you tips yeah. now. And it's run by, uh, I don't know if they're a couple, I don't know, but they're, they're a sweet man and wife, maybe man and wife, I don't know. What I'm, I'm maybe coming up with, <laughs> who knows, spreading rumours here. Partners. But, yeah, partners. But they're really sweet and the wines are very nice. They, they, they tend to choose their wines very well and they're well looked after and they're the right temperature. But the, the food is fantastic. Things like Ensaladilla Rusa, but done really, really well. Not sometimes Ensaladilla Rusa can be... Can be shocking. It can be shocking. But also like 
um, Hilda's with the stick with uh, a chili like a guindilla and an olive and, 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 and an anchovy. But they do they do it with pickled herring and it's in like a sweet pickle. So it, it just feels much fresher and nicer and. So yeah, I mean, I wanted to include La Lopez, but you know, I had, I had a tough, a tough act. Go into these places because you're you're going to majority of times pleasantly surprised. You're going to find some really good quality food and drink available inside these markets as they've kind of evolved and adapted and moved away from. Yeah, one could argue, sadly, you know, the traditional produce that they used to sell. Just before we finish, top tips for like getting the most out of your bar experience in Madrid. If I may, I'm going to say. Don't be too intimidated by them, because when I first came to Madrid, I was super intimidated just to walk by. They were really busy, and you think, oh, God, you loiter in the doorway. I've seen it happen since I've lived here with tourists coming, and they sort of stand in the doorway looking absolutely horrified and looking around desperately for a menu or some information. And then the, the bar owner acknowledges them and says, Hola, que tal, que quieres? And then they're even more petrified and scared and like, what should we do? What should we do? Should we go in or should we walk out? Oh, my God, oh, my God. I mean, my advice is just push yourself forward, go in. Even if you're Spanish, if you have no Spanish or you have very basic Spanish, just get in there. You can make yourself understood. They'll find a way. The, the staff, nine times out of ten, will be very accommodating and willing to help you. But it's a shame to miss out on that kind of bustling typical bar experience because you'll feel a bit intimidated and in going in which hands up is something I avoided doing for probably a couple of months when I first came to Richmond. Yeah I, and I think you know if you want to speak a bit of the language don't speak a bit of the language don't don't try too hard just just like, have a couple of set things in your head don't think oh how can I sound really natural and really because in a bar environment the guy isn't fussed about pleasantries he just he's there to serve you in the quickest possible time so just have this kind of set okay um, I drink beer so nipones una caña or nipones una, una cava just have these kind of set things in your mind and try and not complicate things with I really want to try something out and, and say something different don't do that don't be offended if you feel like the, 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 the uh, customer service is a little bit direct or brusque because that's just how it is here. It's nothing personal. It doesn't mean that the place is terrible and they've got terrible customer service. But you'll find here it's not like, hi, how are you? Let me walk you through the menu. How are you having a good day? Blah, blah, blah. There's none of that here. It's just direct. It's like, what do you want? Tell me what you want. And that's it. And sometimes to us, can come across as rude. And they're not being rude. It's just that Spain, that's how it works here. Everyone's just much more direct. They, they're busy. They want to get things done more efficiently and more quickly maybe I don't know yeah and I think also kind of following on from that is I mean I'm like a perfectionist I want people to have the best experience and if people are going away especially to Madrid or other parts of Spain and they say hey have you got some examples I'm like please go to all these places and please drink this and please eat this and you know almost like being so prescriptive I mean I've been guilty of this in the past where it's been like oh why did they go in there? Why did they take people in there? It wasn't grey. And you just think, wait, just just move on because the beauty of bar hopping is you'll always, you know, you'll always get into a place that you feel yeah. is really good. I think good. that's a good point to mention as well. Don't commit, unless you really love it, don't spend a whole night in one place, which is something we would be probably more likely to do in the UK. You settle into one place for the night. I don't know if that's so really so much the case in Spain. It's much more about hopping to, to, from place to place to place. So I would say do that. 
the other thing that I know we've talked about before, Chris, I would say it's not a, a, a rule set in stone, and I think you touched upon it earlier, is don't write off places which look a little bit old-fashioned and a bit dated from the outside or inside as well, I don't know. Quite often they're some of the best places, whereas we can easily be seduced by, oh, look how beautiful and cool and hip and modern and Instagrammable this, this bar or restaurant is. But actually, you're going to have very average food, you're not going to have great service, it's, you know, nothing special. I think basically just don't judge a book by its cover, and especially in Madrid and in Spain in general. Still today, in 2022, some of the best places look like they've come out of you know, 1975, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also another thing is, don't when you go in a place, order a drink, get the drink, see what free tapper you get. Don't just go in there and go, right, I want uh, two beers and then I want five tapas dishes. Just go in, get a drink, get your drink, and then order from there. Yeah. Don't settle in and kind of say, oh, right, okay. I've got a free tapper that I'm kind of comfortable with. Okay, we'll order uh, one dish, we'll have that. We may order another dish or we may move on. Yeah. Don't go in and kind of go, right, we need to order drinks and food and everything. Just don't, totally don't do that, you know, no. just don't do that. No, just, just go little by little. Also, I'd say, yeah, getting a drink is a great way to then look around you, see what other people are eating and drinking, see what they're ordering. Just suss it out a bit, you know, right? You know, I mean, it's not common. People don't order a whole... F ton of tapas in one go. I don't know what to say about that. And I suppose one other one that I would just quickly add is, you know, timetable. I've had people saying to me when Spain listeners who've come to Madrid and say, "Well, Paul, I don't know what you're talking about. This lively bar scene that you keep talking about is like, you know, uh, yeah, okay. So what time did you go out? Oh, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Everyone's going to be dead in Madrid. You know, it's you're not going to get like this this background ambience that you're hearing now as, as listeners to this podcast is really picked up now it's uh, what time is it Chris it's about two o'clock in half past two in the afternoon now and I think uh, you can notice a difference that this is lunchtime on a Saturday in Spain so quite late half past two absolutely packed in here when we first arrived there were two people sat in the corner now every single table is taken Timing is really important to get the kind of real kind of ex experience right. Don't go out too early. Don't you know? Don't go out too early. I was. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my my final point is exactly this: is you've always got time in Madrid. Do not rush or feel like you need to get. You know, even in the morning, don't get don't come out of your hotel and try and be on the street at nine o'clock in the morning. It's pointless. Nothing's happening. And again at lunchtime, take your time. Just be slow somewhere will always be open you know I've been even in other parts of Spain which is a little bit more rural you know 3.30 and we're still not even in the restaurant for lunch and people I'm with are like yeah don't worry about it 3.30 is fine so just take your time don't panic about having to rush and, and get in there and also in the evening again don't don't panic and get out too quickly if it's 9, 10, 11 don't worry places will always be open and I think if you just kind of stick to one drink and one dish in a place, move on. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, doing this kind of virtual walking tour around Madrid's 10 classic bars and also being sat here with you in Casa Gonzalez, which is super busy now. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Yeah, no, thank you. And, and for me, I, you know, I, I, no, I no longer need to cut and paste my list. I can just, I can just direct people to the podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah. and say... Just listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, just listen to this podcast. <laughs> Great stuff. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, Paul.
So there you have it. Big thanks to Chris Lynch for, for joining me. Uh, hope we get to meet up again soon, Chris, when you're next in Madrid. And listeners, do go and check out Chris's uh, website, which is Spanish Wine Collective. And the address is SpanishWineCollective.com. And as it says on the landing page, a shared passion for Spain, a huge range of really in-depth reviews of Spanish wine. Um, I think, you know, it'd be fair to say the lesser known wines, more unusual wines. There are also insights into wineries, bodegas as well. Uh, tons of great information on Spanish wine. You can also uh, find the Spanish Wine Collective on social media. Uh, Spanish Wine Collective is the handle on uh, on Instagram if you want to look at the great photos. And you can also find them on Twitter and Facebook as well. And one last thing, just before I go, uh, please do uh, give uh, When in Spain a follow on social media, particularly Instagram, which is where I regularly post uh, photos from, well, not just here in Madrid, where we live, but also other parts of Spain. The handle you need is at When in Spain one. And I'll also post a few photos of these bars that we've talked about in this episode. So you can put some real photographs to the mental images that you've conjured up listening. Okay, and so with that, I shall bid you all hasta luego. Hasta luego.